Our Bible reading is from John chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 19. This is the account of the Samaritan woman meeting with Jesus. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Recently, I had an in-depth conversation with someone about the effects of coronavirus, especially in view of the second spike and the lockdowns. And as you would expect, we chatted about the effect it's having on people's mental health, on emotional and physical well-being, the damage it's causing to the economies, the limitations on our ability to travel and meet up with family and friends, especially with Christmas coming up. And the person's concluding comment was a sense of thankfulness that, at least here in Jersey, we were prisoners on a beautiful island. That was their words, prisoners on a beautiful island. And I know many would echo such sentiments. In fact, early on in lockdown, some of our more stoic and elder members of the church even compared the situation with the German occupation between June 1940 and May 45, commenting, well, we survived the war, we can certainly survive this. Now, I do not want for a moment to lessen the crisis the world is facing at the moment or to minimalise the effect this virus is having on us all. But at the same time, it just does not sit comfortably with me to compare the present crisis with the First and Second World Wars that we're remembering as a nation, as a community today. When we declare the words in our service, we will remember. It just doesn't seem right to draw any analogies with current times. Simply to remember respectfully those who pay the ultimate price for freedom and to give thanks humbly, acknowledging their sacrifice and service to God and to country. You know, films like 1917, they, they paint the horrors of war and the heroics of so many. And yet, standing beside the cenotaph, reading out the names of those who died, we are all reminded that their loss is our gain in having a better life to live. Namely, a life that knows peace and freedom. The two highest values that so many brought, uh, bravely fought and died for. But of course, in our remembrance, we know conflicts around the world continue to be present reality. In fact, there have been a staggering 285 distinct armed wars since 1945 between or within states. And only 26 days of peace since 1945 
where no war has been waged between nations. We know too that hatred and prejudice are still rife. We've seen this recently in the Black Lives Matter protests in the USA and UK and elsewhere on account of certain police officers shooting black men like Michael Brown, Eric Garner, and more recently, George Floyd. We know power games are still being played out by autocrats and dictators, showing little or no regard for people they lead and those who suffer the most, the poor and disadvantaged. We know that ideological extremism is still ripping through mindsets and causing devastation as we've seen recently in Paris, in Nice and Vienna. And we know too that there are unimaginable injustices still being committed in societies across the globe, such as an estimated 10 million children in slavery, all of which leave us gasping in hope for an answer to the conflicts we see around us. And here we are today, faced with another global crisis that is rocking every nation, every economy, and every community. And the question before us is, how do we respond? And in terms of the church, what should our response be in the face of such challenges and conflicts? Well, the first thing to note is that the Christian gospel we proclaim is the message of hope and salvation for the world today whether we believe and activate it or not. And certainly going back to the 1940s, it was Mahatma Gandhi, a Hindu, who believed it was when he said, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, to turn the world upside down and to bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. Wow. You see, he could see that the church had a God-given gospel that the world needed to hear, especially at times of conflict. And yet he could see as well how the church all too often buried its head rather than proclaim this transforming message of love and peace and hope. But the second thing to note is that conflict is not a stranger when it comes to our Christian faith. In fact, the truth is, as someone once said, a faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. And throughout the scriptures, we see the faithfulness of God drawing near to those who had put their trust in him in the midst of trouble or difficulty or conflict or war. In fact, Jesus, the son of God, was born into a conflict zone. He was born into a nation under occupation. He was surrounded by political tension and underlying military threat. And yet, as he grew up and increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man, Luke chapter 2. And then as he began his ministry, engaging even with those who opposed him in his teaching, as well as those who wanted to use him for their own gain. He demonstrated a way of life that not only celebrates the peace and the freedom that we all innately long for, but he ushered in a new kingdom, a new realm and rule that we also desperately need, the kingdom of love. And we see this in this, his encounter with a Samaritan woman by the well in John chapter 4. 
Let me just briefly put this into context. The, the context of this account is again a context of conflict, or rather potential conflict. In that Jews disliked and even hated Samaritans, and this was reciprocated. And you know, like so many conflicts throughout history, Jews and Samaritans, they lived their everyday lives with prejudices towards each other and judgments about each other that had been there for nearly a thousand years. And so we're told in verse four, Jesus needing to go through Samaria, came to the outskirts of one of the Samaritan cities, a place called Sikar, and he rested by a well. He was passing through an area that was hostile to Jews. And rather than seeing a continuation of this conflict, as a Samaritan woman came to the well at the heat of the day, herself an outcast in her own community, Jesus sees and he seizes an opportunity of friendship where he does at least three things that I just want to highlight uh, this morning. Instead of reinforcing the walls, he opens the doorway of welcome and friendship. Instead of judging this lady and maintaining prejudice, he opens the communication and speaks to her with words of grace. And instead of building up religious pride and idolatry, he draws this lady's attention to true worship, worshipping God in spirit and truth. And all of these three things, welcome, word and worship, flowing together in a beautiful display of the kingdom of love that Jesus was ushering in for this lady, for those he encountered and for us as well. Welcome. You know, Abraham Lincoln once said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Oh, that current presidents and leaders of the world would learn from the past. You see, conflicts begin with disagreement between two people, two groups, two communities, two tribes, two nations. And when it begins, the walls go up. I'm sure we all know this from our own experience and maybe even some of us right now are experiencing it ourselves. What is the answer we see in this passage? Well, it's certainly not reinforcing the battlements. And on the other side of it, it's certainly not condoning bad behaviour. Jesus is clear on this. He was never a doormat, but he always made a way for peace. He never condoned sinful behaviour but he always welcomed the sinner with open arms, taking the first step as he did here, asking this lady for water, verse seven. If we can learn anything from this today, may it be the need for us to be peacemakers like Jesus. Those who make the first move in bringing peace, resolving conflict, welcoming with open arms in church, outside church, wherever God calls us to be in the moment, to be those who welcome. And you know, out of this flows the willingness to lay down judgments that cause distance and prejudice. And instead, as Jesus does here, to open up the communication and to speak words of grace. I love the way Jesus does this so gently, answering the woman 
Woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This is amazing grace. This is the epitome of what John Newton, the hymn writer, experienced for himself. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. You see, Jesus knew this lady had no self-esteem or sense of worth. She had judged herself and most likely abandoned hope. But Jesus' words of grace cut through the pain and the internal conflict and melted her heart. She was now searching for truth. She was now hoping for that peace within, the peace that passes all understanding. She was now reaching out for a new way of life and living, the kingdom of love. And all because Jesus chose grace, not judgment, at the well. Let me just say that again. And all because Jesus, he chose grace, not judgment, at the well. See, our words have such power. But you know, when we speak words of grace, even in the midst of conflict, the atmosphere changes and people are drawn to that which is true. And they're drawn ultimately to true worship. Worshiping God in spirit and truth. See, Jesus, he is the way, the truth and the life. See, one of the conflicts between Jews and Samaritans of the day was to do with the place of worship. For the Jews, the sacred place was the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. For the Samaritans, the sacred place was Mount Gerizim. But you see what Jesus does here, breaking down any religious pride that the Jews had towards the Samaritans or any false idols that the Samaritans had built up in response to the Jews. Jesus reminds this lady and he reminds us in verses 23 and 24 that the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Without really having the time to expand this now, you know, sadly, pride and idolatry, they still exist in the church today. It still exists in our society today. And you can see it, for example, the, the way that we as, as churches, and I'm speaking generally, can so easily build ourselves up and even create false idols. But you know, for all of us, the key to worship is not the building, it's not the resources we have or the facilities or our excellence in production and all of those things. The key to worship is the heart. This is where the greatest conflict takes place. This is the battleground, if you like, the battle for the heart, which is why it's so important for each one of us to give our hearts to Jesus. 
It's why it's so important for each one of us to have hearts of worship. And the word that Jesus uses in this passage, proscunio, it means to bow down in adoration, to bow down in reverence, to give our all to God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, to worship him in spirit and in truth, in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to live the life that he has for us as worshippers and to worship him in truth, the truth of his word, living in obedience and faith in accordance to it. And you see, when we do these things, when we knock down the walls of conflict and open the doorway of welcome and friendship, when we lay down the judgments and the prejudices and open communication with words of grace, when we pull down pride and idolatry that grips and takes a hold of us and humbly come before God in worship and adoration. When we do those things, peace flows, hope arises, and the kingdom of love transforms the atmosphere around us. This is the message, the gospel message that the world needs to hear today. This is the good news message that our island here in Jersey, that our community, that our neighbourhood, that our family and our friends needs to hear today. And you see, it starts with you and it starts with me. Living with a heart that is willing to welcome speaking with words of grace and at the heart of it all, worshipping the Lord in spirit and truth, day by day, sharing his love with those around us. Let's pray together. Let's just take a moment when we allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts. Maybe there is prejudice that we have towards another or another group or judgments that we've made about others. Maybe we are the ones that are building up the walls of conflict rather than knocking them down. Just want to encourage you, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, search your heart, reveal the reality and truth. And let him come and minister to us as we lay these things before him. And so I want to pray for each one of us. Father God, we come before you and we ask for your forgiveness for those times and situations where we have built up the walls where we have held on to judgments, where pride has taken a hold of us and we've even created false idols. Please forgive us. Just allow the Lord to give you that gift of forgiveness. And Father, we pray that you would teach us to be like Jesus in every moment and every situation, that we would be those who 
welcome with open arms. We would be those who speak with words of grace and we would be those who model what it is to worship you in spirit and truth. We, we give you our hearts today afresh. Father, we lay our lives before you and you. And Father, would you teach us what it is to be peacemakers, to those who bring hope into every situation and share your love. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.